Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. Today's update will focus on a few targeted cryptocurrencies, as well as a newcomer. I say newcomer, but it's I think it qualifies given what I've seen. Um, but I want to give a high level on certain other tokens that have been covered in the past and I give them at least a little bit of attention, given that there's a little bit more chatter and understanding about where they are now in the big picture of it all. And if you remember, in the previous episode yesterday, Out of Cycle, I specifically said that I wouldn't worry about the red that you were seeing. And hopefully if you woke up and you looked at your portfolio, you will now understand kind of why I said that. And why I said that you shouldn't overreact when it's red because we're not seeing anything that would tell us that there's any long-term challenges in the crypto community. There's rather kind of this groundswell and a bullish mentality. And that's what you should be seeing because you're seeing rebounds that are quicker. You're seeing that there's more that's happening in quicker periods of time. And it's easier for you to get to the point where you can condition your brain not to avoid red and not to freak out on red and rather treat them as discounts and they are opportunities to buy in and become one of those first starters. Remember, we've had tons of these different cryptos come and go where you missed out, right? And you didn't buy in or you sold out too soon. You've seen it. You've seen it happen over and over. And I hope that the experience between yesterday and today has kind of shown you that it's it's you it's psychological. You're, you're tricking yourself when you see the red. It's all a trick, and you have to learn to ignore it. So, generally speaking, industry generally speaking, we are up. We are not down. We are up. I do expect some more dips because that's that's the nature of how crypto will go. I do expect a few more dips, but I don't expect a lot of dips. I think they're going to be. Good movements, again, leading into 2022, particularly January. I think it's going to be a bullish month from what I see. And I have no concerns about the future of a lot of the cryptos that are the kind of the long stays, the ones that are here and they're not going anywhere. If you are interested in any sort of investment, I encourage you to start thinking about if you do have ones that are red that you have bought into, consider treating them as a discount and buying in now because I do believe that they are bullish long-term. And as you start developing a trade strategy, which is that you do your research and identify the ones that seem to make sense, they seem like they're there long-term, and you start buying into those projects that you'll eventually get to the point, you'll see what I'm saying, that it's it's all psychological and eventually gets easier, I promise. But it takes time and it takes rethinking what you think you know and treating everything as a discount when it's down, not as a loss because you don't lose unless and until you actually sell. And there's no reason to sell, even if it's one that you bought in, and hopefully you don't put too much in it. But even if you buy in and you see that the you know the project happens to be a pull or something, as long as you didn't put too much in it, you don't really have too much to worry about because it might recover at some point, especially if it's a renounced contract. You don't know. Sometimes they go organic. That's how Doge was. It was abandoned, and then eventually it came back. So you just don't know, and I'm not telling you to just throw money at everything. I'm saying do smart research, figure out what projects make sense for you. Identify how much money you think they're worth that you're willing to invest, and hopefully it's throwaway money as far as you're concerned. 
And then patience and just not be triggered off the graphs, not be triggered off the red and just patience. Just be patient about what you see and don't let them them influence you into selling off prior or premature because it's not going to serve you. It's not going to serve anything. And I, I really hope that you take that advice to heart for those that are new to it and uh, don't allow yourself to get completely influenced by the graphs because they are purposely trying to influence you. And that's very important that you understand how that all works. So let's get into a little bit of crypto news. Let's start with Bitcoin, which of course is kind of the bear in the room across cryptocurrency in general. A cryptocurrency has been trending downward. However, it appears to be nearing its bottom resistance, its new bottom resistance, which we have to see if that's able to sustain the bottom resistance well. But it has not, I wouldn't call it like a super crash like we saw earlier in the year. It's more kind of natural resets as some of the sell-offs kind of taper off and we start seeing people buying the dips who are helping to stabilize it. I think we are going to see some more sell downs. The question is whether we're going to go below 45,000 ish down into the thirties. And it did dip down to the thirties at points, but it, it's been able to rebound very well. We'll have to see if it goes that far down. And if you remember going below down to like, you know, 45 below 45, that's a significant discount over where the thing spiked. Meaning that if you did nothing more than toss like a thousand or something at that guy, then you have a strong potential to reap some strong rewards in the long term. And if you happen to be one that's able to, or has been accruing Bitcoin as you buy dips over time enough to where you were able to get to one Bitcoin total, it's going to be probably your strongest investment of your entire portfolio. But I understand how challenging it is to do that from a money availability perspective. I'm simply saying if you were able to do, then it's, I think it's worth the goal to try to get to that point. You're just going to need to make sure that it's enough money that it makes sense, but it's not so much money that it's running you broke. So be aware if you decide to buy into Bitcoin, now would be the time because we do expect that it's going to rebound at some point. We just don't know exactly when, and we don't know what that bottom resistance truly is going to be. Is it going to be the 45 as we think it will be, or is it going to go even lower? I want to stress to you, if you if it does go lower, you need to treat that as a significant discount because pretty much the entire industry thinks that Bitcoin will rebound. The industry does recognize that Bitcoin is largely overpriced. However, we've had people that have sold out of their positions in Bitcoin. There have been lost wallets, damaged wallets, etc. So we, we're pretty confident that its price movement can only go up to targets of like six figures. It's just when, the timing. That's the uncertainty that you want to watch out for. It doesn't mean that you don't buy into it. It doesn't mean that you don't put money towards it. It just means that you have to be careful about how much you do and why you do. Once you understand your reasoning, then it doesn't matter what the crypto is. You should be able to invest in pretty much anything with confidence that you're only going to gain. And even if it's a trash coin, you still should be able to get to that, that next plateau. So that's Bitcoin. I still think it's a bullish movement, but it's one. It's becoming a long play because, you know, you got hedge funds and others involved and they are going to influence the price. But I think it's only going to go up, is my opinion. We just don't know how far and we don't know when it'll start. And then I want to talk about SafeMoon again. I've covered SafeMoon on a couple of occasions, just a couple of breaking updates. 
the Safe Moon project, they're going to change the sell tax to 100%. And what that essentially means is that you're going to be stuck with it if you don't do the migration. Now, I've got some concerns. This is not of a personal nature because while I do hold some Safe Moon, it's not enough to warrant the migration. And that will explain what I mean. In order to do the migration, the process means that you need to take your wallet and you need to plug it into the Safe Moon wallet. So I'm already not a fan of that because you're forcing people to use your wallet to do it. And I don't think you should do that. I think you should simply do the either the staking method that Safe Earn did, which I, I think was reasonably good. It just had some hiccups, but I think it was the cleanest way to deal with it. Or you simply send your wallets to a thing and it airdrops you back. That way, anybody using any wallet can participate. Forcing people to download your wallet just for that purpose, I don't think it's the right answer. Yes, you can move the phrase largely interchangeably, but you're adding extra hoops to what should be a very seamless process. This means that anybody who was in version one that didn't know this, they're going to be stuck one day because they're going to see the thing skyrocket because there's no sale activity. And now people are going to be potentially buying. They're not canceling the contracts because so, they can't. So you're going to have people buying and getting stuck and trapped. And I think it's going to be this whole big hubaloo. That's my theory where they're going to think they got rug pulled and it's going to harm the reputation of the token. And I covered this before in the safe moon dedicated episode that I think they just had a hard time of it. And it feels like the developers might be the root cause that they just don't seem to get that many of the decisions that they're doing are more harmful than good. This is one that I don't think was thought out very well. They should not have done it through the wallet. And then second, it's a Binance chain coin. So there's not significant amounts of cost, but the thing is you have to spend gas to move, you know, convert to the V2 tokens that, because that's the nature of the chain. But only allowing it to be done inside their wallets where I have a problem. I think they should have figured out, again, the staking method I thought would have been the cleaner way to do it. And ego might have come into play. Technology might have come into play. Who knows? But if you're listening to this and you're in SafeMoon version one, your call to action is you need to get the SafeMoon wallet in order to convert those to V2. And you need to do it pretty quick because they're going to change that sell fee to 100%, which basically means you're not going to sell anything. And I don't want you to be stuck in it. So if you did buy SafeMoon, make sure you get that wallet, follow whatever instructions, go to their website, do whatever you need to do to make sure you get your token swapped. To be clear and all fair disclosure, the amount I do have safe moon left over from a previous investment. It's kind of dust level. If you know, dusting it's, it's not worth basically I would lose money to move it out. It's not worth moving it. And I don't care if I lose it. That's how low it is. So I'm not going to do the migration steps. I went through, understood what they were asking of me, which started with download our wallet. I looked at their wallet. I don't want to use their wallet. Because now you're getting into a tug of war, right? You get the SafeMoon wallet and SafePal and the potential Cytomass wallet and all these tokens are creating their own wallets and you're getting tugged in multiple directions and it's not allowing you to manage your portfolio the way you want. And I think we're moving in the wrong direction, generally speaking, with wallets in how we are forcing people to do things in your wallet instead of a generic process like SafeEarn did, just refined and done correctly. That's not to say that I'm against the wallets. I'm saying that the wallet should not be the only way that you do certain actions. It should be a choice of the user when you want to use the wallet because you have better benefits than other wallets. So if I look at something like SafeMoon Wallet, to me, it doesn't really do anything that's beneficial for somebody like myself that trades multiple tokens. 
over what Trust Wallet already does or Alpha Wallet already does. So, or even Atomic. So why would I shift? Only if you're all in YOLO in Safe Moon doesn't make any sense to me, in my opinion, and thus I cannot justify it from my own portfolio. So then what's the alternative? The alternative is anytime somebody spins up a token, I just put that token in their wallet and then just use that to watch that. Well, then I can't, number one, can't see the total portfolio. More importantly, number two, as I explained in the wallets episode the other day, I'm not able to easily segment one token out to do that. So then I could visualize my stuff in every single wallet and then just transact it that way. But now, as and I have this today, I would have to then manage multiple wallets for for multiple reasons. Like if I needed to, you know, transact my NFTs, I spin up MetaMask, but it doesn't have any coins there. But in what I saw with the, uh, which one, EarnHub, Current, um, they had a giveaway that they were doing, and it's a generic website. Cool. That means I just access dApps and go to the browser and do it, but it doesn't matter what wallet I do, which I like. But then on the flip, Kishimoto, they tied there specifically to MetaMask, which means that I, they can't access my tokens, which I gave them feedback about. Don't do that. It should support Wallet Connect so that it doesn't matter what wallet I use, which I think is the way we should go. So the SafeMoon rant is about why are you forcing it in SafeMoon Wallet? And it's possible the website might work. It's possible they have a swap tool on the web. But I just think that their predominant messaging of, no, you need to go to the, the wallet and just make it easy on yourself, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not a supporter of this. And I like good music, don't get me wrong. Easy on yourself. I just don't believe that. So, that's Safe Moon. If you are bought in and, or planning to buy in, I would avoid V1 if you're already bought in. You probably should do a call to action and do what they're asking to do to get out of it quick before they do that selfie. And I'm sure they didn't reach everybody. And my guess is there's going to be some fallout from this with people calling it a scam and a rug pull because they're not going to be able to sell the thing, which usually is indicative of a rug pull. So it's up to you. But, it, you know, maybe you're like me and you don't have enough to justify selling it. And I would understand that as well. I just I think you should do it. But it's really up to you. It's your portfolio, and I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. I'm just the informational guy. On the flip, I want to talk about SHIB just a little bit. Uh, SHIB is holding an AMA. There are some movements that are going to be happening um, in the SHIB ecosystem that they wanted to talk to the team about. They released a blog directly on their site. I gave them some feedback because one of their deals was jacked up. <laughs> um, with security on their site, they ignored me. I expected that. It's fine. But they have the blog that they're using as a direct official conduit. So make sure that you subscribe to that. If you want updates, just be aware if you're using Outlook like most business-minded people, you're likely going to get an alert. It's a false positive, but what it means is that you can't click the Outlook screened link because it's going to block it. You have to copy-paste the link that they give you in the email to get subscribed, and then they don't do frequent updates. So it's just so you have informational pieces. First step, especially if you're not on Twitter, as most people are not, you want to make sure that you get those updates so you know what's going on in the world of SHIB because there are some things that they are working on coming in the new year, and you should be first to know about it. Obviously, I'm going to be a conduit for some of that information, but I can't cover everything and I can't see everything. I am subscribed, but sometimes there may be more significant information being covered, and I don't want to keep these episodes too long if I can avoid it unless I have a guest on the show. But the very first episode 
um, that they're going to do on the AMA, they're going to be talking to somebody that's kind of in the big circle for cryptocurrency in general. He's been involved with multiple different currencies. Um, his name is David Gokstein, I believe it is. And he has, um, he's, he's involved with Forbes, so he's kind of this well-known name in all crypto. He's trashed certain tokens. He's, he's upped certain tokens. So he's, I, I don't want to say he's neutral, but he's centrist. Like he talks about different elements and different tokens, and it's good exposure for the token to get awareness about it. But also they're talking about the Shibarium and when that's coming, additional burns, and when that's coming, there's a lot of things Shib is trying to do to kind of increase and escalate the price movements now that they have a significant number of holders. Shibarium, I think, is going to be kind of key for them to have additional price movements. But remember what I said. Until they get that inventory down, I don't see significant price movements in the positive. Certainly not to the degree that we saw when CoinMarketCap had the price wrong. Because if you remember, once CoinMarketCap corrected the price, that thing dropped like a factor of three. So just be aware that your SHIB, if you are in SHIB, it is worth what it's worth. But I do, it's, it's bullish in the sense that they're still actively working it and they are committed to it, and they have the strongest, arguably, community that you can think of. It has mainstream awareness to it. It truly is the next Doge now that it's achieved a lot of these significant milestones that they initially set out to do, and it's certainly well worth having your portfolio. It just means you're not going to be rich instantly overnight like with many of the tokens. So you're going to need to decide if you're one of the long hauls. I think it's worth investing in it, certainly, and I want to stress this. Even though it's Ethereum and you're going to get nailed on gas fees, if you're going to buy into SHIB, make sure that you stake some of it in ShibaSwap. I can't stress that enough. Some people have complained that some of the rewards are very low, and they are for everything except Ryoshi Vision. Ryoshi Vision is an equal, roughly equal amount across the board. They fix that, and that's basically free money. So you just need to stake some portion. So let's say you bought you know, half a million SHIB, half a million SHIB is going to run you about 18 bucks right now. You buy half a million SHIB, you stake half of it into ShibaSwap roughly every month. They say it's every two weeks, but I say it's every month from what I've seen. You're going to get millions of Ryoshi Vision at no additional cost. It does cost you Ethereum to approve ShibaSwap the first time. Then you have to pay Ethereum to stake it the first time. And you have to pay Ethereum to cash out or, as they say, woof out your Ryoshi Vision. So you are paying Ethereum fees, and it will build up, which is why you shouldn't do it on a frequent basis. But you don't need to stake a lot to get a lot of Ryoshi Vision. And, again, that's free money for you. Long term, if you go all in with SHIB as an ecosystem, you can put more and more SHIB into it. Eventually, you might buy Bone, which is one of part of one of their others in the ecosystem and it has a constrained inventory so its price movement is estimated to go pretty high and potentially leash which has a higher price point and more volatility but it gets you more rewards on the back end when you stake all this stuff so think of the shiva swap ecosystem as kind of the passive income approach similar to what earn hub's trying to do similar to what many of the other ones are trying to do as opposed to a reflection of a token whose price movement is kind of volatile you are staking a portion of your tokens. Whether or not it has a reflection is irrelevant. The staking gets you rewards, and then the rewards are generating wealth for you. The downside, of course, is the gas fees. But it's kind of a small price to pay once you get to certain tokens that have a really good reflection mechanic and they have kind of the staking on the side like EarnHub does. 
those are going to be really good for a good portfolio, just building wealth because you don't care about it. You just set it and forget it. And with SHIB, they're trying to get to that point, although it doesn't have the reflections, it's partnered with so many different projects that long-term, you might see other tokens show up that get you woofing rewards, having done no extra thing other than stake tokens that you don't worry about cashing out. Because, again, SHIB is not going to make you a super millionaire in any close period of time, and it has a low enough price point that you can get just enough that once you stake it, You'll be able to get rewards through ShibaSwap that are then beneficial to you long term, which I think is a better approach for handling SHIB than sitting and waiting for when Lambo. That's just my opinion on it. Take a look at it. If you're already bought into it and you're not on ShibaSwap, I recommend you do. If for only the Ryoshi Vision rewards and nothing else, I definitely recommend that you do that because I think it's worth your time and money to do that. I want to follow up on Kishimoto. Kishimoto is scheduled to have an AMA here in about a half hour, and Kishimoto gave an announcement that the devs were going to distribute the remainder of the funds that they set aside for the Suzuki poll because they announced they were going to try to compensate those folks. Not everybody qualified. Sometimes there are some criteria they were doing through the blockchain to assess who was really eligible for this. There were some people that were not qualified, but they've decided they're going to release the remainder of these tokens to everybody who is holding. And when we say holding, they've called out some criteria. Some of the criteria is a little bit fluffy, but let me give you the high level of it. The core criteria is they're going to distribute it to anybody who is holding Kishimoto Inu from any of the four networks. And the four networks, of course, are Avalanche, Phantom, Binance, and Ethereum. So it doesn't matter which of these networks that you happen to be holding on. They just want to be aware that we have an address that's holding Kishimoto, and as a result of the holding, they're going to reward. There are currently just under 12,000 holders across Kishimoto, so it's a healthy amount of holders. If you were to, this is all scheduled to happen tomorrow, so if you were wanting to get in on this, you would want to buy from a DEX sometime between today and tomorrow and just set up a wallet and buy, and you don't need to have a significant amount, just buy in Currently, at the prices that we're reflecting as of the point of this recording, and of course, it's subject to change because it is spiking because of this announcement, you can get just shy of $10 billion for about maybe $3.5 United States dollars. So it's really low-priced, and I've been bullish on Kishimoto. I've been strongly bullish on Kishimoto. I honestly believe it's the next Atama. I think it's one of those long plays, meaning that it just doesn't have the holders. But Kishimoto has a solid burn mechanic. Its only downside is that it caters to a very specific targeted audience, that being anime fans. But the fact that they're distributing tokens at no cost to you simply for being a holder, to me, is an appealing thing that you should look at, if only just to have it and sit on it. Because what does it hurt you if you have a small bit of money to toss at it and just get some free tokens on the back end? So if you are interested in that, again, you want to make sure that you get a wallet set up you can do any of the four chains. I would strongly recommend that you do either Binance, Phantom, or Avalanche if you're going to buy in rather than Ethereum because, of course, Ethereum gas fees will nail you to the wall. If you, you, you can potentially, this is the uncertainty, you can potentially buy in an exchange, send it to a wallet, but then there's some clarifications that were floating around social media that have not been affirmed, whether they want people who bought through a DEX and held as opposed to bought through a centralized exchange and sent to a wallet. There's uncertainty there. I'm not sure how they would care with that, but perhaps they put that condition to make sure that it was people that were actually making use 
of the existing liquidity pool. So they're looking for transactions that came from the DEX liquidity pool. So in this case, PancakeSwap would be the top DEX that I would think of. And then they would query all the ones that pulled from the liquidity pool and sent to a wallet address, and that's all they care about, as opposed to all of them. If that's the case, then there's a lower number, I would assume, that the vast majority would have bought from the centralized exchanges. In that case, then the amount of tokens that you would get would go dramatically higher because there'd be less than the 12,000. If we have 12,000 holders, let's toss some numbers. 12,000 holders at the current estimated 1.2 quadrillion tokens that they said were set aside. I crunched a little bit, comes out to somewhere between 80 and 100 billion tokens per holder if it's the total of 12. Well, let's say that it's not the total of 12. Let's say it's less than that. That means it's a lot more tokens. Well, that's a lot of money for doing nothing other than being a supporter and being a holder. And it's kudos to them that they're doing it. But you, if you're not in it and you want to be in it, and I want to stress this, don't just do it just because it's free money. You need to believe in it too. But I also, I've been bullish on it. I see no issue with it. They're a solid project and they seem like they care about their holders. You will see some naysay if you look at social media, especially Reddit. And I called out that it's dead there and there's been a lot of naysay, but it's a two month old project. It's not like it's been around for a year and has just failed consistently. It hasn't had enough time, in my opinion, to succeed or fail. And I don't think, I think you got a lot of as I used to call them chicken shibbles on the ship side, you got a lot of chicken quiches over here that are just naysaying it and they don't see the significant up price because they don't understand, which tells me that the group of people in this token currently are not the same people who were in SHIB because if they were, they would have already known that it took SHIB over a year to get to any significant price movement. And even then, it still had challenges getting above certain thresholds and that's without a burn mechanic. Whereas Kishimoto has a burn and it has reflections. So it has mechanics that should strengthen the position of the token. And that these, these people should be Satama folks. But I, I'm skeptical on that too, because Kishimoto is scheduled to be on Cytomask. So to me, there's a natural correlation in holders between Satama holders and Kishi holders. Yet the Kishi holders are screaming chicken little skies falling. Yet Satama took months. I think it started in June. It took almost six months before I had any significant movement and it was a zero per month, but look at what it took and then look at the failure from the Vegas event. So either the people are just, they're, they're doing it because they're trying to instill fear to try to drive price movement, or they just have newer investments that aren't in Satama and they're kind of quirky. I don't know. Or it could be just a small minority of voices, naysayers that are harming the project generally. But I'm, I'm telling you from my perspective, and I'm not advocating you do or don't, I'm telling you from my perspective as an investor, I am bullish on Kishimoto, number one, because they have a good, their, their devs are very active trying to communicate, trying to tell you what's going on, trying to do AMAs, trying to put it out there and say, we want this thing to succeed, we believe in it, and we're here. This is very close to what Satama was when it started and when I bought in. I saw an engagement. I saw a desire to move it forward and push it forward. And I'm questioning why there's this pushback against the team other than an unrealistic assumption about where we should be from a price perspective. But at the same time, you're going to have whales. They're going to buy and sell. They're going to take profits. It's normal. You just deal with it, sit back, benefit from the reflections, constantly buy the dips, increase your position. 
because at some point your reflections are going to be so much that you really should stop. You actually should want whales to sell out because they're reflecting so much to you. Then I see this giveaway. First off, the one to the Suzuki affected is helping them, but it also helps you as an investor because you're increasing the number of holders of the token. Yes, it's coming from a central dedicated wallet that was conjoined from the different devs, but you're dealing with people that were previously rug pulled, people that presumably were in the Satama ecosystem, and you're giving them tokens to try to help them, which increases their confidence in the project and the developers. And you're getting Kishimoto set up on Cytomask, which exposes you to the 100,000 plus holders of the Satama when that thing goes live. To me, this should be heavily bullish. This is my opinion. It should be heavily bullish to you for everything I just described. And I think it's unfair that it's being attacked the way that it is. And I don't know if, again, it's just a small vocal minority or what's causing it or past mistakes. I have no history of anything because it seemed like there was just people that come and go and then they no longer are there. And I don't see the history of why other than an unrealistic expectation of price movement. Because as I, if you listen to the open letter episode, I specifically said overlay that graph. If you zoom it out all time, it's two months overlay that graph with where SHIB was in the beginning with where Satama was in the beginning. And you'll see the exact same behavior. If that's true, and you follow what I'm saying, you should be just as bullish as I am because that means that it's too early to call it and throw the white towel. If the developers stay the course, this guy's going to explode and you will have a chance to be in early with a very low price point and just let the darn thing grow and possibly become a millionaire even faster than Satama simply because you'll be exposed to more holders, but it already has a good holder pool and it has good bar mechanics, and it has good reflections, and if they can make the entities work, it has all sorts of stuff, even Satama lacks. So that's my position. Take a look at it, see if it makes sense. You've got, again, between today and tomorrow, if you are going to buy in to get this share of the developer distribution, you've got till today, I would say pretty much the span of today, because there's a time difference consideration, but pretty much the span of today, if you're going to do it, make sure it makes sense for you. Don't do it because I'm saying to do it. I'm just sharing my bullish position and why with data points that you should independently verify for yourself. If you agree with what I'm saying, then you'll set up a wallet. It Again, of any of the four networks, it's up to you. Whatever makes sense for you. Avalanche, Phantom, Binance, or Ethereum. If you set up the wallet, then you're going to want to buy directly from that exchange. So in the case of let's say Binance, because that's going to be the most popular if you're not in the United States, let's say, but in the U.S. you could do. Then you're going to go to PancakeSwap and you're going to set up the token code. So you get that from their website, plug that in there, add the token to PancakeSwap, swap it from whether it's BNB or BUSD, but you do need to have BNB in there to do the network fees regardless. Buy as much as makes sense to you. Just make sure you sit on it. And in theory, according to what they're describing, you should be part of that pool to receive that as long as you meet the cutoff. Again, there's an AMA that's going to happen in about 30 minutes. It looks like it's going to happen on their Telegram. So if you are interested and this has piqued your interest and you were not bought into Kishimoto, then you probably want to check out their Telegram, listen on the AMA, possibly get a chance to ask any additional questions that you have and see if that's something that makes sense for you. And that's Kishimoto. And then rounding out today for the previous updates is going to be Cytomask. The devs have released an update. The 
Uh, Russ, who's the big kind of the face of the brand, he's going to be featured on NASDAQ. That scares me. I know that excites a lot of people, but it scares me because, as I said before, it tends to he tends to overpromise and underdeliver at points. Um, a lot of that is not necessarily like an intentional thing where he's trying to tank anything. It's ego. So he will say a thing and people have called out the example before. It's like, you know, you promised on the Vegas event that it's going to be released on the day of the Vegas event. And that was kind of put out there advertisements, et cetera. And you know, it, it is what it is. It happened, but there was a promise made and they did not deliver. And then whoever did the two weeks, which was not him really hurt the, the value of the token significantly. And just to clarify, we have not recovered from that initial harm. We're still down from the position that we should be because by now we should have already dropped another zero en route to dropping a second zero in January. I do believe as long as Cytomask doesn't have any undelivered promises, then Cytomask might be the key to help catch up with the extra zero to drop because to me, it's undervalued. If you have not bought into Satama and you agree with what they're doing and you believe in it, I think it's a strong buy and a very bullish position leading into the beginning of 2022. I still maintain that. I've always been bullish about it as a project. And I think it's one of those long-term plays. I'm hoping that they don't do a migration of some kind because that would, I think, harm value. And hopefully they just stay the course of what they have. And hopefully Cytomask is able to gain them the value that they have lost back. But I also am hopeful that there's not any promises made that turn out not to be true when it comes out. So when you look at the whole cheaper gas fees and all that kind of stuff, I don't see how they're going to make that happen because, again, the, the network fees are just part of the blockchain. It's not something that you can really control. Hopefully they're able to do it. But if they're not able to do it, I think that's going to attack them and they're going to have some harm as a result. And I don't want to see that. I want to see that it's able to continually go up at a healthy pace two higher and drop two zeros like I think it should be by now. But make sure that you follow Satama. If you were interested in it at some point, I've given kind of enough awareness updates. I think that you have a sense of what they're doing and the ecosystem is strong. The community's strong. I think it's a strong project and I have all the optimism in the world for what Satama is going to bring to the community as not just the next Shib, because I think that's not fair, because I think Satama is doing more in how it benefits the existing investors, way more than anything that Shib was able to do um, before it. And so if you're able to take a time to invest in Satama, if it makes sense, just make sure that you agree in what I've been saying, that you see the same bullish behavior that I see, and you see that it's a strong potential in the future. But with regards to the NASDAQ, the, again, the only reason that I'm skeptical is just because Russ has, he's, he's screwed the pooch before when he overpromises and underdelivers. And I'm hopeful that he's, I'm basically hopeful that he's gauged and conservative with what he puts out there. Talk about known, verified, validated things that you can back up, not promises, not wish lists, because people are going to hold you to it and your enemies are going to use it to hold against you. I also suspect that the people that are going to be doing this thing will bring up his past, not on the show, but they will potentially use that in their coverage after the fact. And so just be aware of that, I think, as a, as a trader. But I want him to go in there with conservative, vetted 
verified things, not things he believes will happen, not things he's confident will happen, not things that he's convinced will happen, but confident things. We know that Cytomask will release. We know that. You don't have a date yet. Okay. Don't say a date. Say we're targeting XYZ. Great. Now, this interview is scheduled to air in January or February, and I suspect that most of the things he'll talk about will have already happened, and so he'll talk about things of the future. Great. As long as they're presented in a light of this is what we are working towards, this is what we are working on, this is our goal, this is our objective. We're talking about things we want to get done, not things that are definitively going to happen because we know when you make those promises, your enemies are going to hold that against you, and that will harm existing investors by way of lost value when people sell off, almost sell off unfairly. And that's just, I'm not, I'm still bullish about the project. I just, I've not been convinced of him and his delivery of information because he tends to overpromise and underliver in how he presents it. It's not that his information is wrong, it's that he's not presenting it in a way that doesn't give certainty. And unfortunately, the in Rust We Trust cult pushes him to do that. And so he thinks that it's the right answer, but then everybody gets harmed when he does that. And then things don't happen the way he talked about. That's what I don't want to see. So hopefully that one goes well, because I do want to see that one succeed because it's sitting on gold at this point. Um, it's sitting on gold. Um, and others have called that out. They called out that it can go down, it can go south. And then certain other people give him a pass and they don't call him and hold him accountable when these mistakes, these preventable mistakes are made. And all we're all saying, the conservative of us out there, all we're saying is handle it right. You botched the Vegas event. You didn't directly say what you did wrong. This is your opportunity to hopefully make it clean and get things going positive. But to do that, you cannot overpromise. You cannot underdeliver. Talk about factual things. Talk in a conservative light, but still optimistic about the future and where we're going. And I think everything will work out fine. I just think he needs to listen to a lot of the conservative of us out there that are not the Rust We Trust cult that are trying to tell him, please don't do it again like we did before because you're going to trash and burn again and we may never recover. And that's the truth of it. And then I want to briefly wrap up today's update completely with a, a new token that caught my eye. And I, this one caught my eye for all the wrong reasons but I felt it important to cover it because it's a contrast to the kinds of tokens that we saw before in everything that it's doing. It's not that they're doing anything wrong. It's more that uh, as I looked at it and I looked at the mechanics of what it's doing, it was an intriguing way that they're trying to present their token to the world. I suspect this is a very volatile token over time. But it's possible that this one might turn into something big. I did see some down points to it, and I want to talk about those, but I saw some up points as well. This one's called the Cold Bank token. It's call signs cold. And they don't they don't really tell you too much about this token on the site. And I know it's weird, but in summary, they took a bunch of people who were dealing with money. So they're they're money people. They're not nerds they're not devs really they are devs but they're not really devs in the conventional sense they're money people and they happen to have blockchain access and experience that means that they're trying from what i'm reading they're trying to bridge the two 
you have certain tokens that are good at the money aspect and the business aspect, right? Like Satama. I think Satama does a great job in the business aspect of things and the good job with the technical aspect of things. Where Satama falls short simply is in the reputation management from my perspective. SHIB, I think, does a decent job with reputation management. Decent, not great, decent. But from a developer perspective, I think they lack... it's like just there just like doge it's just there they don't really innovate they don't step it up but it's just kind of the the well-known like doge presence name value and so developing to me is lacking on shib reputation management is great business management sucks from shib then if i look at let's say floki floki has an amazing community behind it despite rug pulls of plenty they have no business sense whatsoever i don't think they have any money sense at all then you got EarnHub, and they seem to be really good on money, pretty good on dev, but not great. And business sense is like a C out of uh, grades, you know. So each token has kind of these pros and cons. This one tries to blend the two, money and blockchain experience. And money should correlate to business sense, in theory. It should. They don't hold any dev wallets. I don't know if that means that they don't have any funds that they have given to devs or they purposely don't have devs investing in the project. I would assume the devs are investing in the project. I would assume this, but maybe they don't. And they're working to try to improve community before everything else, which many tokens try to do, and some do it great and some don't. But when they broke out the mechanics, their tokenomics, I was very intrigued in how they thought they, they put some thought into this thing. So every token has the concept of buy, tax, and sell tax. And there's been criticism on the buy tax because it's a disincentive to buying your token. This is true. However, it also goes to incentivize people who hold. So what the buy and sell is trying to do is to not be unfair to either side and simply incentivize holders by saying, we want everybody everybody who holds our token to benefit from whether you're a new holder or somebody who's selling out, everybody should basically pay their fair share. That's kind of the thought process of the buy and sell taxes. And some tokens like baby Floki billionaire I covered the other day have gotten rid of the buy tax, albeit possibly temporarily sometimes for certain tokens and sometimes permanently because they're trying to encourage buys at the expense of sales. Well, as I said, if it's a whale, they're going to sell regardless because they don't care about the fees. Cold, Cold Bank, has the buy tax and the sell tax, but they have a breakout. That's, I think, a smart breakout. So the there's a 3% in fee. So there's a, on the buy, it's 14%. There's a 3% in fees for developers to compensate developers for the work they do. That's why I said that they got to have some wallet because there's a developer fee. So if they don't have wallets, where's the fee going? But then they have 5% for marketing, 6% for liquidity. I think that's a good spread because it makes it even, Steven, in terms of distributing to other people. I don't see that there's a reflection mechanic, so perhaps there is not one because I don't see that that's there. So that means that when you do the buy and the sell taxes, none of it's going to the existing holders. So that got me, I was like, okay, why would you do that? Let me keep reading. On the sell side, they have a breakout for sales after 24 hours. So basically, you could do a quick sell and not be charged the fee, but after, you know, or not as high of a fee or 
possibly lower fee depending on when you sell. It's basically how they're breaking it. So let's say for in 24 hours you sell it, right? There's a 25% tax on it within that first 24. So the first day after you bought it and you sell it right away, and this is possibly to defeat bots. And then after 24, it's 16%, which is still higher than the buy, but it's all disincentive to sell. The reason it caught my eye is the whole 24 hours. I don't like their percentages because I don't think they're going to stop anything because they're too darn low. What I would like to see instead is a higher sell percentage within 24, something of the nature of like 50%. Let me follow why I'm saying that. Most of the time, the within 24 cells are going to be bots. And the bots are designed, I covered in a previous episode about the bots that are designed to basically insulate themselves from significant loss. So they'll do a sellout and then a buyback in at the dip. And then they're readjusting their cost base average, right? I don't, or dollar cost average. I don't, I, I support them doing that, but I do think there needs to be a penalty on excessive amounts of it. And when you see bots, they're the ones that do that predominantly. You're not going to see very many whales do it. Most whales will buy in. They'll sit on it for the long term and then sell at some point later. And I think they should have every right to do it. But I do think you need to attack kind of the, the short 24-hour ones because those are the ones that cause those initial spikes like I talked about on Kishimoto and Shib and Satama and so many others. That initial spike and then it literally drops back down within 24 hours. I think the within should be a 50% minimum. I wouldn't go higher than that because I think it's unfair, but 50% or something like that. And then I would like to see that when it's a within 24 cell, there's a reflection to the existing holders of like 5%. If it's after, then no, it just goes to the existing pools. Because then what you're doing is you're convincing your holders that, no, we're going to benefit you for holding and supporting us long term. And we're going to disincent the immediate cell that tends to tank tokens immediately after launch. No token has done that to my knowledge. Most of them will either do the high sell permanently or the high sell for certain periods or whatever. But the within 24 and after 24 just gave me the idea that I like what you're doing. I just would love to see the within 24 be significantly higher, in my opinion. And I want to see the within 24 go directly to the holders as reflections. And then after 24 just goes to the liquidity, the marketing, the developer after the fact to kind of sustain the token. That way, anytime somebody is literally trying to tank the token with a 24-hour, you're benefiting your existing holders. Anytime after that, you're benefiting the project long-term. I think that's a more concise way of handling it. For the sell, for the buy, I would do the same 24, but I would break it out to say, when you buy, of course, there is no 24, right? Because it's, it's not two transactions. But when you buy, if you buy directly from an exchange, let's say from, in this case, it's an Ethereum token, so Uniswap. If you buy from the exchange and it takes your 14% and then you sell it directly immediately after that, maybe then you just add 36% on top of the 14 to make the 50 or some convenient way to know this was bought here and then I calculate 24 and then within 24, I'm going to add 36% when I go to sell out or just straight say 50% on top of the sell, but at some point it has to be, you know, reasonable. I just, I want to see how we can incentivize the people who hold after they buy, and then some way to discount the buys, then they don't sell. Maybe some sort of a rebate 
process that's not reflection-based. So this might work to say on buy, you hold for a minimum period of six months or something like that. You still have the higher, you know, the 25, excuse me, 20, or in this case, 16% sell. But after X, we will refund you a portion of your buy tax for holding. Now we are helping to incentivize holders in more creative ways. In summary, I'm taking their breakout. I like it. I just wish they would tweak it, and I want to see this in more tokens. That's why I called them out, because I love their thought process in the 24, and I want to see ways that we can get creative with the taxation for different tokens to try to incentivize holding as opposed to selling, which is what they're trying to do. I just think there needs to be more of a penalty on the sales, in my personal opinion. And just going to put it in perspective, this is a recently not launched token. It's really, really new. It doesn't even have a thousand holders or it might have a thousand. Yeah, I don't think it has. I don't think it has like 2000 holders yet. It's got it's really, really new, really new. Yeah, I don't even have a thousand yet. Very new early in the process. This just launched probably two days ago and it had a major sell off. So it had the pump and then a major sell off and then it's had nothing but decent sized buys ever since but it does have some whale cells that took place this goes back to my point we to me that selfie has to be punitive within the 24 to disincent whales from doing that sell and ideally that gets distributed back to the holders because you're going to incentivize more people to hold and if you don't do that then you see that same behavior of an initial pump and an initial crash it'll recover because i see very strong tokenomics here but I would love to see that there's more that you could do with the percentages to further incentivize holders. So again, that is the cold bank. It's called cold bank. There's a lot that they're working on. I wanted to talk about the tokenomics of it. It's early in the process. So take a look at it, see their little breakout of the buying and the selling. I'm going to share this to them as well. And hopefully they will at least consider kind of what I'm saying. And the, the concern that I have as far as the, disincentivizing sales because that looks like what they're trying to do long term for this token they are talking about staking so there could be one of the popular things that we see now is as i talked about passive income staking your tokens and then getting either other tokens or reflections of tokens or something else in exchange for staking your token which of course is more incentive to holding so perhaps they extend this tokenomic to include something that is a a rebate process or something on the staking folks, you know, in the, in the form of either reflections back or, Hey, you can get a rebate in the token of your choice to copy earn hub or something else that further incentivizes holders. I'm moderately bullish on this one. Here's where I think they need to fix it. <laughs> and I know I say that a lot, but it's, I do that because I want to try to help projects. I'm not doing it to trash them. I want to try to help them when I see certain things that I think are lacking. Number one, there's no white paper. There's no light paper at all. The site's pretty bare bones. It's clear, but it's bare bones. And I think they need a white paper, light paper. I've said it before. It should be one of the first things you do, and you should spend a lot of time doing it. And I can see they have a lot of information. It's a trillion tokens total. They broke out the fees. They broke out the sell fees. They, they're talking about the partnerships. They talk about all this stuff in their medium, but medium is not a white paper. You need to get a white paper, I think, or a light paper, ideally both. Get it up on the site ASAP. I think we need to focus on this. It's on their roadmap. They've done, they've talked about it, but I, uh, the only thing I have my concern with their roadmap situation is 
they're doing the same thing like every other is talking about influencers. And I don't care about influencers. I care about fundamentals. Get the fundamentals right first. Once you get the fundamentals right, the token should sell itself by way of targeted marketing to those people who are in there. But I am saying that we need, I need a white paper. It needs to be there. Um, I would get an audit in place as quickly as you can so we can review the code as quickly as possible. And then more importantly, the freaking contract contract address is not on the site. And that is just shocking to me because I can obviously get it from Dex tools, but like your website should be your way to communicate everything somebody needs to know. And I'm shocked that you do not have the, the actual contract address on your site. Why would you not do that? I'm not saying they're doing anything sh shifty or shady. I'm saying that for the purposes of, you know, making it easy for people to get to what you're doing, you should absolutely have the contract address so that people can add it to whatever and do whatever. And I don't know why you wouldn't have prioritized doing that, just like I don't know why you wouldn't have prioritized doing the white paper. The last part that I will call out, and this is potentially a concern, possibly, the code is unvetted. So this goes back to my need for an audit at some point. The code is unvetted, which means that we don't know if the thing is a honeypot or a rug pull. We suspect it's not, but we don't know. They might be able to modify transactions. They certainly look like they can modify fees and structures. We don't know exactly what to think of this token until we get more evaluation of the code by way of an audit. That may give you some pause. I don't think it's a problem putting a little bit of money into it, but I would love to see them fix it, honestly. Um, this contract looks like it was a copy of something else. So other tokens, and these were not necessarily tokens that were bad tokens. Um, some of them were decent ones like Clifford Inu. So it might even be the same developers as Clifford Inu, which I haven't covered yet. Um, but it looks like it's a duplicate or a very close duplicate of it. Um, it's still an owned contract, which I said is not a problem, but we want to understand the long term of that one. Um, half the liquidity is burned or locked, I should say, more appropriately. and But the, the lock is only for about six months, which is a pretty short. Usually you have it for like a year or more. It does seem to have stability, but there are situations where the wallet has enough inventory that it could tank the price too. That's what goes back to my whole selfie being more being higher to discourage the potential sell-offs and incentivize existing holders that would help. And then, of course, the liquidity I would look at and the, the just the fact that the contract is not vetted. Um, put it like this. I ran it through Token Sniffer, which is one of those evaluation tools. Token Sniffer basically gave it a zero, which is the lowest possible score that you can get on that tool. And when I look at what it's got, the only thing that's a major concern is the, the selfies specifically, but it's also the fact that it's copied from other contracts or significantly copied from other contracts that although they scored high, you don't necessarily want to see that there's direct copies of code and you don't want to see that only half the liquidity is locked for only six months. So there's a lot of fundamental things that if I were to ask them, they'd probably say, no, this is long-term, we're going to go, da 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 But I think the reason that this is called out, let me use one as an example, crypto in you. I didn't cover crypto in you because I looked at it. It didn't seem worth the time. Crypto in you was reported to be a uh, pump and dump, meaning that it skyrocketed and then they completely dumped it out. I didn't personally cover it. I have not invested in it. I'm pretty methodical at this point about the ones that are simply worth my time. And when I looked at crypto, first of all, it's Ethereum, but when I looked at 
crypto emu and I watched what was going on. All I saw was significant sell behaviors, significant sell behaviors, and it has never recovered since. That one launched about a couple weeks ago, week or two ago, has never recovered since. It might otherwise be a good project, but it doesn't even have a website that we can find. So the fact that this crypto emu is the same or similar code as what we see with this cold bank doesn't bode well for the health of that token or its veracity. As far as right now, I don't know what to tell you on Cold Bank other than to just look at it and I will share this to them. And if they say, okay, we didn't know these were issues because they haven't done an audit yet, right? Then they actually work to fix it. Then I think it's worth your time. If they don't fix it and they just say, oh, whatever, do, 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 then that should tell you what you need to know. It's new. So it could just be that they just copied a contract thinking in all good faith that they would, it would work. Or it could be that they have all the best intentions and they don't know that it's a problem. Or it could be that it's a scam. Like, Crypto Inu is not a scam. It's just that it has no long-term stable value point. People are just buying and selling it. They're just abusing it, basically abusing the liquidity. It's not like it's a honeypot. It's just there's no value in holding. So I'm not saying that this coal bank is a scam by any means. I want to stress that. I'm saying that the copy of a contract that has basically been a pump and dump and seeing same price and sell behaviors is the reason I'm making the call out about the selfie because if you're serious about stopping that pump and dump behavior, ideally I would want to see a higher selfie to disincent the very thing that tanked crypto in you. That's what I'm trying to stress and hopefully the developers listen to that and take it to heart and don't treat this as me trashing it because I'm not. I'm intrigued by what you're talking about, but I do see some opportunities to improve and hopefully they take that to heart. So that's today's update. Hopefully that's been beneficial. I did go a little bit long because there was a lot to talk about and I wanted to make sure to just do a comprehensive because I thought it was important to give enough time to many of those other tokens going into 2022. And this negates the need to do an afternoon update unless something of significance does come up, which it might, but I don't think it will. But if it does, I will do an afternoon. But I think I did enough here and hopefully it's been beneficial and, and informational. Again, make sure that you do share this out. That's very helpful. If it is information that is of value to you and has been informational to you or any of the other updates, please do share out to others to dial in, listen in. I will check in back with you tomorrow again, unless there's something of significance worth covering today.